Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. This is John Suntress. For the last couple of years at DC Comics, Rags Morales has been a signature artist on many of the company's top projects, bringing his realistic style to collaborations with writers like Jeff Johns on JSA and Hawkman and Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman. In 2004, he and novelist Brad Meltzer produced the miniseries Identity Crisis, an intricate mystery that garnered mainstream media attention and created new plot directions that are still being played out in the ongoing DC soap opera. Currently, Rags is in the midst of an arc on JSA with DC's publisher, Paul Evans. And later this year, he and Paul Dini will take on Batman in Detective Comics. Our conversation begins with a look at Rags' earliest professional works. Oh, geez, my very first big break was uh, was Forgotten Realms, um, 1989. I, uh, I had come to New York looking for work after uh, after my my boss got caught for copyright infringement. I used to be a silkscreen artist for a, a fellow down in Linden, New Jersey. Okay. And uh, I made the rounds after he got busted to New York, and um, I had uh, I had. Uh, um, Barbara Kiesel, who was going to Wisconsin to talk to the TSR people. This is in the days of uh, the TSR-DC collaboration of uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, um, uh, Dragonlance, Spelljammer, okay. um, and Forgotten Realms, which was my very first big break. That's really cool. Who was the writer on Forgotten Realms? That was Jeff Grubb. He's, uh, he was a, a novelist um, for TSR as well as working in their... Uh, R&D production uh, okay. area. And was it Forgotten Realms where uh, Neil Adams came in with his praise on your work? Ironically, yes. Yes, thank you for that. Um, yeah, um, I remember Elliot, my, my, when Barbara Kiesel hired me, shortly thereafter she had moved on. I believe she was going back to freelance writing. Um, and Elliot Magan was the second editor, my second editor. Wow. The, uh, the writer of Superman, yes. You bet. And um, he... Uh, he had mentioned one day while I was in the office that, uh, yeah, Neil likes this, uh, likes your work. I says, oh, really? He says, yeah, he says he likes the work of the guy with the funny name. <laughs> and uh, so that was uh, that was a trip because Neil was, is my very first favorite comics artist, and uh, I have nothing but love and admiration for the man to this day. That's really cool. And Elliot Megan, too, my God, that, there's a guy that... You know, was really he and Carrie Bates, just two of the best uh, writers in that 70s period of yep. uh, Superman and the Justice League and Green Arrow. Right, right, right. Terrific stuff. That's really cool. So uh, from Forgotten Realms, uh, was uh, Black Condor next? Black Condor was next. Um, I had, uh, there was, I, had, I, I always had my ear to the ground, and I heard that uh, there was a rumbling that uh, TSR and DC we're not going to continue their partnership for some time, so I wanted to catch it, uh, get out, and uh, find something before um, anything, you know, caught me off guard. Sure. Uh, TSR eventually went on to try to do their own line of comics, which was part of the uh, speculation boom okay. that uh, did eventually fail. But uh, so yes, yeah, so I, I went around looking for work, and uh, I was unemployed basically, basically for six months, um, and uh, without a. a you know, with uh, re with respect to a couple of covers and projects and pinups from uh, from the rest of the TSR books that were still hanging on, I know they had very little to do until uh, Black Condor came along. And it was a, a new look. It wasn't the original quality version of Black Condor. It was a redesign. Yes, yes. Well, you know, they they were doing that with uh, a lot of those old 1940s characters. Uh, you know, they, the Neil Gaiman had taken uh, Sandman to, to completely different levels, True. and Starman had gotten a new 
facelift and uh, after um, after Black Connor came the Ray. So yeah, we uh, we were basically part of this whole new uh, mentality of, of of new cool things, new ideas that were that were being uh, that was simmering at the at the bottom of what was to be the speculation boom. Yeah. Your style is is very realistic. Who who would you say beyond say somebody like Neil Adams uh, were your influences in in the way that you did uh, art? Well, you know, Keith Giffen has the greatest line I've ever heard in regards to this uh, this medium and and, 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 and with its um, its relationship with the comic fan. He says that we lose our audience when they lose their virginity, <laughs> and I was no I was no exception. Um, when I became a teenager and I discovered uh, women, uh, well, <laughs> as close to women as I could find at 15, sure. uh, I also discovered um, illustrators. I started getting into John Singer Sargent and Charles Dana Gibson, uh, Winsor McKay, Maxfield Parrish, Norman Rockwell, cool. uh, all these wonderful um, turn of the century, early 1900s artists, um, mostly American artists, and... Um, I really had a, a, a really, really affinity for for trying different line works, different pens, and things like that nature, and and just completely different styles. So, I went from from being um, a, a Neil Adams, John uh, Buscema, um, Jim Aparo, Garcia Lopez, Michael Golden clone, into trying to become an illustrator and and try to deal things with it on that level of uh, of, of illustration and. Then I kind of, when I got out of that 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 phase, I went back to comics, and, and still with my standards, uh, very little was was really grabbing my attention. I was still with the with the old favorites of the '70s and, and early '80s, um, but then I also incorporated incorporated to that um, uh, Frank Frazetta, uh, cool. to me is the penultimate uh, alpha artist of our generation. So. Um, Certainly, without question, um, if you would really nail it down, I would say somewhere between Frank Frazetta, Norman Rockwell, and Michael Golden having a baby would be me. And, you know, that's great because looking at things like uh, Identity Crisis, I can see a lot of Rockwell in, in a lot of the expressions, especially with the villains and a lot of the villain scenes, and, and really with the heroes as well. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's about humanity, isn't it? Isn't it supposed to be about... Um, Absolutely. About stories and... You know, I mean, any painting of, of Rockwell speaks volumes of that, you know, and, and that's the kind of uh, subtlety I wanted to bring across in my work. Um, I, I wish I had the amount of, of patience and, um, and honestly, the time to, to be able to add little nuances here and there to, uh, to, to really bring the complete picture. I've done it from time to time in a panel here or there, but I've never really done it for an entire series, much less an entire issue. Um, so basically, I'm, I'm left for the writer to to help fuel my imagination. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll drop in something that I think is neat. Before we leave Black Condor, I'm curious if you ever looked at the '40s work of a guy like Lou Fine, who of was. Of course, yes, yes, I'm, I'm a big fan of Lou Fine. Uh, you know, the, the entire Eisner uh, community down there. Um, just that, uh, that 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 wonderful lush uh, quality that was just. Far and above, very different from what was happening. I mean, you could, you could, from there, you can see where the Filipino artists were were influenced. You bet. You know, they 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 tend to go from the um, from the hub of of Alex Raymond, it seems to me, rather than the American artist who seems to come from the hub of um, Hal Foster. So, um, 
it's 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 a very different vibe there. But yeah, without question, Lou Fine. I I have one of his uh, one of his books. In fact, one of my prized possessions. And you know, damned if I can't find it now, and I'm really annoyed with it. But it was actually the last issue of Black Connor he had done. Wow. And uh, it was picked up for sixty bucks. Oh, nice you know, going. If only they knew. And and <laughs> the greatest part about that book is it's obviously not just, you know, a wonderful work of Lou Fine, but, you know, those ads, it was so kooky back then, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like eat, eat, eat Tootsie Roll, the great American nutritious food and things of that nature. <laughs> it's it's pretty wild, the things that they try to, to pass by you. Now, how fast would you say? You, say? you know, obviously you say you'd like a little more time to finish your work, but um, on average, how long does it take you to crank out a page? Next question. <laughs> you got it, man. All right, let's move on. Let's uh, let's talk about um, Our Man. Was that next? Uh, yeah, well, no, actually, from from uh, my work at DC, um, I, I got hired by Valiant. Oh, okay. So you did yeah. Mangus. Pardon? Didn't you do Mangus, Robot Fighter, for them? I, I did some covers. Okay. The first job I did for for Valiant was Archer and Armstrong, uh, booth thirteen. Okay. With John Dixon on inks, and, and boy, I tell you, you know, it, there's nothing better than having some old school guy go over your line. It was it was so refreshing to see someone actually not try to emulate my mistakes, <laughs> um, and someone who could come in and just tweak it and do some new stuff with it, and just and just play with it. And it was just, I just loved it. I really did, you know. That's cool. Um, it's just a shame he's not with us anymore. But uh, yeah, John Dixon did a, a, a fabulous job. And I was like, wow, you know, I could, I could learn a lot of things here. And, and I did. I did. I learned a lot about the industry. I learned a, a lot about the art form. And, um, you know, I had done a, a lot of sporadic stuff, but the one that they really wanted me for, actually, actually wanted me to do uh, XO Manivore. But uh, I was not too hip at that point to do another, you know, like like uh, Iron Man, you know, sure. type thing. Um, I was I was more intrigued with what they had offered me later, which was uh, Turok. Uh, Dinosaur Hunter, the you old, uh, right, the old Dell comic, uh, Indian in the Lost Land kind of a thing. That's cool. That of course plays to the Frazetta stuff like Funda, which is one of my favorite uh, things that I have is the oversized '70s reprint that they did of uh, Frazetta's Thunder. Absolutely, um, and it was, you know, I had been used to doing uh, dragons and, and, and archaic kind of things with uh, Forgotten Realms, mm-hmm. and although I kind of bemoaned the. Uh, the typecasting that goes on with this industry, not just within the editorial aspect, but also within the fan base. Sure. Uh, I knew I could do something really cool with it. And at the time, Dances with Wolves was hot. Jurassic Park was hot. There was uh, there was there was a mass culture attention to to that kind of of storytelling. So I was like, well, you know, if I could, if I could do a good job here, I could bring some attention to what I can do too. And it, it did work out to a degree. Uh, unfortunately, it was also in the days of people just grabbing a comic, putting it in the bag, and never opening it. So it was uh, it, it was kind of neat to see some decent sales coming out of it, but uh, it wasn't certainly wasn't anything that was um, you know, worthy of the attention I tried to put into it. And it's 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 a shame that sometimes um, you know that kind of mentality can happen within any kind of uh, pop culture form. But uh, I really did enjoy my time on Torak, and and uh, I do look at it back at it fondly. In fact, uh, just past weekend in New York, I did a uh, uh, they're trying to do a, a valiant um, get together, and one of the people who asked me to do a sketch of, of Turok so they could superimpose it with a Photoshop over people who had handled handled all the other characters and put it together in one one piece. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. But uh, yeah, I tell you, it was uh, it was a nice time, and, and probably my best contact there 
um, at Valiant was um, a fellow named Tony Bedard because he was responsible for my comeback after my unemployment uh, span of about a year and a half. Was Tony your writer on tour? Tony was an uh, editor. Okay. And um, he actually was a writer, kind of editor mm -hmm. there. Uh, he and I did a project, um, Shadow Man 25, I believe, just one issue. Okay. And it was one of the things that uh, that people took notice within the company because uh, they thought that, uh, that 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 Tony had uh, a nice little story, but it was kind of light. And um, the, dynam the, the, the dynamics I kind of put into uh, a lot of the panels and the pacing and, and the way that I just I, I try to blow up the story uh, brought them brought them to a, to a higher level of respect for my abilities. I'm a big fan of Tony's. I, I really enjoy his writing and. Uh... I, uh, I, yeah, and I enjoyed his uh, I enjoyed his cross gen stuff too. So. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's good people. You bet. One of my favorite people in the industry. In fact, uh, we've become like uh, like brothers. That's cool. Well, so I much so that we, we we spend only a little time talking when we get together. It's like we're family again. That's cool. You know, and you it's 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 just it's wonderful. It's just it's just one of those things that it's. It never grows old, you know. Who are some of your other friends in the comics community? Oh, uh, Je oh Jeff Johns. Um, Clearly, yes. Yep, he's, uh, he's a good friend of mine. Mike Bear, obviously, uh, he and I have become very close friends. Really neat. Um, Brad Meltzer and I are close. That's great. That's great. That certainly sh your work with Jeff and Brad clearly shows on the stuff you guys did on, on Hawkman JSA, obviously Identity Crisis with Brad. Um, everything was clicking, I think, uh, in those runs. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, that was uh, that was just a, a time that just uh, all the stars were aligned for all of that stuff. You know, not just not just the the, the, the projects themselves being available, but but my energy level at that time. Um, you know, when I when I hit Identity Crisis, it was after the run of um, Black Rain, which was a bi bi weekly project. Um, Great story. Crossed over with uh, JSA. Very relevant to what's going on even now in the war yeah. on terror too, and a lot of emotion in that story, in the art and in the storytelling as well. Um, yeah, at the time, it was Jeff's uh, masterpieces. Of course, was before Rebirth and 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 his, uh, and his uh, stuff since then. But at the time, I read it, I was like, wow, this is this is Jeff, you know, pulling out all stops. He has something to say here. He's he's obviously very pissed off about a lot of things, <laughs> and um, you know, and we wanted to get behind it 100. percent so um, that was just one of those, those those great moments where we just we felt the story. You know, um, it's one of the things that's very important in this industry is, and it's become apparent to me. Is, I mean, you can have a very professional hat about it, but you know, the professionalism only makes you at minimal mail it in. Every once in a while, you get a story that really resonates with you, and when that happens, it's, it's there's a whole other ball of energy that goes with it. And that collides with with professionalism, and, and it just blows up into a beautiful thing. So hitting hitting uh, the, all the points of Black Rain and coming out of that, I can't. I hit the ground running, and uh, when I threw Identity Crisis my way, I was already in full speed. So um, it was it was it was, uh, it was a great time. It was it was a great year for me. And I would say Black Rain, uh, particularly with two characters in Adam Smasher and Black Adam, and especially yeah. Black Adam, my God, I mean, he's really gone from being a villain to a very sympathetic character, where you really appreciate where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's got his stubbornness, and he's, he's, he's got his, his righteousness, and whether you agree for it or not, you have to respect the man for holding to his convictions, and that's, uh, that's, that's some good, good stuff there with Jeff. Are you able to uh, chime in then on, on storytelling uh, when working with a guy like Jeff? 
Uh, once you know, if you get if you get an idea, you know, if you're on a series or we, as it was with Hawkman, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I, I, um, I had a few ideas and we bat them around and I say, hey, listen, what if we do this with the character or do that with the character? And usually it's you know within the first five issues or so when it, when the energy is infectious and, sure. and you, you got all these ideas running around. It says, I like what you do with this character. Would this happen to him or, or this that and the other thing? Uh, somewhere along the lines, I think. Um, I think uh, uh, the return of, of Shira Hall, I don't know if it was intentional or not, with Jeff was one of the things I did bring up. That's cool. Um, and um, it was uh, it, it was just one of those things that, 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 that was born out of conversation, you know? Um, so um, that, that was something that uh, I, I approached him with. And, uh, and Jeff, you know, and that's something that every artist does. You know, we we, we tend to to think we're we're writers too sometimes, and you know, we 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 trot upon the uh, the writers' territory probably more often than we're invited to. But um, <laughs> uh, with Jeff, he's one of the few writers out there with with, with such a such a, a wide-eyed view of things and, and, and such an all shucks quality about his personality that he'll actually listen to an idea and incorporate it, you know, if he can, if, if he feels it, 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 it feels right for, for his pacing. That's cool. Now, working with a guy like Brad Meltzer, who was an accomplished novelist before coming to comics, uh, but obviously comics is a different kind of writing, and, and, you know, it's necessary to collaborate with the artist to, to convey the final product. Um, talk about the differences with working with, you know, regular comic book writers and then somebody like a novelist like Brad Meltzer. Well, Brad's very stubborn. <laughs> Brad, yeah, his, uh, <clears throat> he knows what he wants, and he. Um, when I, I remember reading the script and sitting in bed and, and, and turning to my then wife, saying, uh, "You know, who's this guy? Think he is? Look like, at eight panels a page. Screw this! I'm not doing this." <laughs> You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna incorporate some panels. I'll probably knock a few out, pull them out, and stuff like that. And so I went in there, you know, with with a head of of of, um, of stubbornness too. I mean, I'm not like some guy who did one issue, you know, sit there and tell me I, I you know I got 15 years under my belt. I'm not gonna yeah. listen to this dude. You know, little did I know. And uh, but you know, the more I read and and the more I listened to it, and I, and I felt his pacing. and says, you know what? really can't do anything else but what he wants I and mean, the, the way he's writing it it's it's very much the way it needs to be read um and and it's it all has to do with his his whole thriller mystery kind of background you know um you have to have a very different pacing it's something i was not used to before i was used to telling escape this fantasy before um but not to this level of intensity over introspection and um that kind of it was refreshing in a way because, uh, um, you know, it, it made me rethink my approach. And every once in a while, you know, I'd say, listen, I like this angle better. And, you know, we'd go back and forth with it. And he'd tell me I suck. And I'd tell him he's a fool. And, you know, and, and then I'd have to email him. And then he'd email me back and fax stuff back and forth. And, you know, and, and um, but, uh, you know, in the end, every once in a while, I might have. Had an impact, maybe like maybe two percent of the visual of that book. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, basically every angle you see there. It's like I keep, I keep saying, you know, this book could have written, uh, could have drawn itself. Um, Brad, you know, just really for the most part, you know, had what he wanted, had his vision, and I could not disagree with it. it was really just that brilliant of a crafted story. He he knew he saw it completely as a movie, and 
it worked out. And, and to be honest with you, it, it helped because um, you know, every issue was a minimum of 30 pages. Yep. And those pages, most of the, many of those pages were a lot of duplicate panels and, 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 and uh, duplicate uh, backgrounds, which really did help uh, get the issue out in time. Okay. Um, and, and we were somewhat fizzled. Um, by the end of it, certainly uh, a bear was, was, was a bit frazzled. Uh, toward the end there, but um, um, we um, we did it, and 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 uh, you know by the end of it, I was I was very relieved because there were there were certain moments of just you know it's it's like anything else you know you're you're in the battle and you you don't see it you know you don't see anything until it's all said and done, and while you're in it, everybody's pissing and moaning and screaming and hollering and you know bitch slapping each other around and just you know having. Too much of an opinion about what's happening, and uh, there, there were there were more than a few uh, you know, meltdowns for me with that. But uh, it was all worth it. it. Certainly was worth it, and the response was tremendous, and I couldn't be happier. No, it's a wonderful finished product. Who was your editor on that? Uh, that was Mike Carlin. Ironically, my very first rejection too. No kidding. Yeah, coming out of London, New Jersey. I was living in Elizabeth at the time, but what were you shooting for with Mike? Uh, well, with Mike. Um, you know, I had this whole idea uh, that I can do just about anything I wanted to in this industry. You, know, we had, you wanted an inker, sure, I can ink. You wanted a letter, I can letter. You want a pencil, I got it all down here, right here, Mike. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a one-man show. <laughs> and, um, of course, you know, that's going to be met with a certain amount of, yeah, right, kid, you know? Sure. Um, and, and Mike uh, looked at my work, and uh, he was my very first uh, editor to interview me, and he told me I was a year away. And I was more than pleased two weeks later to have my first job doing Forgotten Realms. That's cool. Um, and I always made it a point to say hi to him in the halls as I passed by. <laughs> um, but the uh, funny thing was is that my very first success, my first big success, came when him, when he and I collaborated on Identity Crisis. And I said, you know, Mike, I said, you know, you're my first interview. And I don't know if you remember, you told me you, I was a year away. Well, I wanted to tell you you were wrong. I was 15 years away. <laughs> That's very cool, man. And again, yeah, I, I think you did a little bit more than 2%, man, because, again, the emotions on the faces of all these people. My God, uh, Elongated Man. I mean, you guys really gave Elongated Man his due. And sure, that came from Brad's story, but also the moments of really the anguish on his face, uh, you know, just at the funeral. Those those scenes at the funeral, all those faces, man, that was you, Rex. Uh, I appreciate that. You Thank know? you. Thank you. But, you know, a, a lot of the impact, I mean, part of storytelling and, and the a major part of storytelling, especially for for this particular field, is capturing the right moment because you're trying to tell a sequential story in a motion, uh, not emotion, but in a motion. Try to get it from panel to panel and try to make it feel like it's moving along. And um, you know, a lot has been said about the melting of the face scene. Um, again, like I said, two percent, and the only two percent I had was that I told, I called Brad, said I got to twitch his nose here. Wow. He says, what? I says, i got to twitch his nose here because in the beginning, the question is, does it, is, it, is it a gimmick? Is it a publicity stunt? Or is it something that he just, it just happens? It's uncontrollable. It's just one of those things that happens to sure. him. And I said, I want to I I say that it is just something, that's one of those things that just happens to him. It's, it's a twitch. So I says, at this point, when he's falling apart, I want to make it happen. He just looked, and he just he quietly sat there and he listened to me. And then slowly he says, um, just don't make it look goofy. Sure. And I said, you got it. I yeah. can do it. And, and I knew it was going to work because of the way Brad had written the whole setup. 
you know, cutting from one character to the next. And, um, you know, and, and, and I telescoped the zoom of the uh, of each panel. So every time you see Ralph's panel, it was a little closer, a little closer, a little closer to the point of when you get the meltdown. Wow. And so, you know, th there was a lot, there's a lot of interplay, and, and yeah, you know, I helped add to it. But honestly, like I said, that scene would not have worked without the setup, and that's Brad. So that's cool. Take it for what it's worth. Well, both of you guys are so clearly longtime fans of DC because you guys just hit these right emotional beats that longtime readers can really appreciate. And it did start with Identity Crisis and everything that's going on now in DC with infinite crisis and and what's coming with 52 i can appreciate people who haven't been reading dc for a long time scratching their heads and not understanding a lot of the significance of a lot of these moments that you guys are bringing but uh you guys understand it and and you're paying off for the long time readers and you know as as one of them i can say we're, we're enjoying the ride i mean it really is satisfying to see these these characters that we've taken for granted really get big moments right well we think we appreciate that and you can thank dan Dio for that um, you know, a lot of a lot has been said about about Brad saying that he considered Identity Crisis a one and done kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was it was a very interesting and in, in when hearing the response to that because it just reinforced to me the the fans the fan base's mentality of of what is storytelling and it it just it just smacked me in the face to realize wait a minute we are doing pulp fiction here. Uh, it's ongoing. It never ends. It's not designed to end. It's a soap opera. And when you throw up questions from a novelist's point of view, his questions were answered, and they were answered within your opinion. So when, you know, and, and, and all the answers were there. You know, if Batman, you know, has an idea. You know, do you think Batman knows? Believe me, he's a detective. He, you know, he always has an idea. <laughs> um, you know, Superman, he sees, he knows what he wants to know. He, he, uh, here's what he wants to hear. You know, those answers are there. Yep. You know? You bet. Um, but a lot of the fans were not satisfied because it wasn't in plain black and white. They wanted visual proof. They wanted something they could pull out, show to their friend during a debate and say, look right here. It says it right here. <laughs> you know? And it was a very interesting, you know, because I felt it was it was a one and done too. I knew what the answers were. Sure. You know, of course Batman knows. And he knows everything. You know, um, yeah, there was a sophistication, I think, to the way you guys handled those issues. That, right. that you're right, that that wasn't blatant, but but you're right. If you really were paying attention, it was all there. It was all there, and and um, it, it, it wasn't blatant. And I think in this in this genre, when you have characters that, and, and there are only really five basic titles that we can count, rely on in this industry to keep it alive. When you have just that minimal amount of of characters that you've written thousands upon thousands upon thousands of stories with hundreds and upon hundreds of writers and artists and anybody else who's handled these characters, you know, you're going to come to a point where, yeah, it has to be ironed out because there's too much, it's, it's too much interplay with, with one character, you know, and everybody is, is counting every little, every little grain of seasoning that each, each, uh, creator throws into that pot. So, um, it becomes very important to spell these things out. So I understand that, you know, the, the fans being dissatisfied was basically thrown into a realm of the unknown um, because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, they're used to having one character ultimately completely defined because one writer will throw something out and it'll be changed or, or, or retconned or whatever, you know, or, or addressed. 
somewhere down the line. So it, it, it was kind of a security blanket that they didn't get. And that's, uh, that's, that's basically the, the mentality they took, and you know, I, don't, I don't completely disagree with that. Let's talk about the current stuff. Uh, you're working on JSA with uh, with Paul Levitz. Paul Levitz, yeah. And Paul, uh, you know, I again, I'm a longtime reader, so uh, there's a guy that really knows how to handle the JSA as well. And what's it like working with the big boss and uh, having him uh, submitting scripts to you? Um, <laughs> well, yeah. um, Is it a tough transition? I mean, honestly, Paul's been up, in, you know, in in the corporate office. And it has been 20 years since the guy really came down. And, he, in fact, last summer he told me that it was the rigors of 52 and getting that weekly book out and the creators that were involved that required him and other editors to kind of come back and, okay, let me take over a book for a while so these other guys can accomplish this. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> I was talking to Brad. We had breakfast um, on Saturday morning in New York, and we were discussing things. And, you know, timing, this was part of it. And um, he says, you know, you're working with the boss. Yeah. I says, yeah, I, I know I'm working with the boss, you know. <laughs> and, and he says, uh, he says, you don't seem to understand. He could have anybody he wants. He chose you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> 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 oh, gee, you, now you put it that way. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, uh, I have, n- have not really followed all the Infinite Crisis stuff. It was just, to be honest with you, Identity Crisis was, was, was such a such a such an effort to to really just incorporate so much of what I knew. I really needed a break from it. You know, I read a little bit of the the uh, the, the Villains United, and okay. and of course I was a part of some of the OMAC stuff. And, uh-huh. But you know, the Rand Anagar War, the the the, uh, the Crisis of Conscience stuff, uh, you know, the Day of Vengeance, and everything else that has led up to where we are now. And of course, the infinite crisis stuff um, has just left me with like, wow, I'm just I'm overwhelmed. This is too, I mean, I, I don't envy the fan base out there, you know. And, and thank God they have uh, the the ability to keep up with all this because I'm looking at this stuff and 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 and, and it's it's all there and it's like, wow, I, I just can't read it all. So I'm really basically not that knowledgeable. And this is very terrible for me to say. And if you want to edit anything out, it could be this. <laughs> That's but, your call. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, is that I'm, I'm kind of going into one year later with like, okay, now what's going on, you know? Well, you're not alone. I mean, that is kind of the reader's perspective as well. And that first issue that you guys did on JSA was great because, well, did you, you were the artist on that first issue, right, before one year later? Where it was with uh, the Superman of Earth 2 and it was in the 1950s or was it somebody else that did that? Oh, no, 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 no. That was, oh. that was the, the great George Perez. Yeah. Oh, see, my mistake. Yeah, yeah, no, see, that's... Yeah, and, and I didn't see that script. I didn't see. Uh, I saw a, a couple of snippets here and there that they uh, that they emailed me and, and faxed before they hit print. Um, I'll own up to my mistake on that one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but, okay. Uh, well, and I and I guess this first chapter that just came out this week, um, uh, it has us all scratching our heads and saying, "Okay, where's this going?" We don't know what happened in that year. And that's yeah, kind of the idea. Yeah, anyway. to me too. And you know, and the thing is, is that because I am really, and maybe this is a good thing because. Um, the, the the whole theme of, of this thing is that kind of, the JSA has been kind of like inactive for a little bit. Yes. And maybe it is a good idea for me to not know too much. I can see um, that. So I, I handle it um, in, in, in the way that it's presented. And I think um, I think Paul has has a certain lightness to his work. 
Um, it's it's not very complicated. It's very precise, but not complicated. And um, he's, he's he's just hitting the beats that are necessary, and therefore I'm responding in in, in, in like fashion. And each issue has gotten a little bit more of a layer, a little bit more of a layer, a little bit more of a layer. So it's not becoming more um, it, um, uh, apparent to me what's going on. I got you. But um, but when, initially when I got it, I really was just I was completely like, okay, uh, another story. Um, but uh, it's it is it's pretty cool stuff. There's this and these stuff coming up, and I think people are going to like it. And and of course, um, you know, when when all said and done, and I heard. I heard um, through the grapevine where it all eventually ends, ends up being, and it's going to be, it's going to be wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's cool. Gonna re- it's going to be pretty damn cool. We glossed over and, and really didn't get into your work on Wonder Woman with Greg, uh-huh. and and obviously a big part of what's going on now in, in Infinite Crisis, uh, and of course what happened in the OMAC project as well. You're like the guy uh, in the last two years that has really had all the big significant death scenes. My God, Max Lord suit did me. Captain Boomerang, the original Captain Boomerang, Firestorm. I really enjoyed what Greg did with Wonder Woman, and, and you as well. And I, I think, again, an interesting take on, on the character that I, I'm, I'm kind of sorry to see go away. I understand that there's you know a new creative uh, team, and I wonder how many of the elements that, that Greg brought from a story standpoint will, will stick around, because it was, it, was, it was an interesting departure. And I think Wonder Woman is such a tough character to get a handle on, because... You know, she really was created with another idea in mind, I think, back in the 40s. And, and very few people have really, you know, had a good run. Luckily, there have been a lot of great artists, and I would put you there with um, Phil Jimenez and, uh, of course, George Perez and, and, and others as well. But uh, t- tell me about the experience of working with Greg on uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is a, um, it's a difficult uh, pill to swallow because, and, and I think, it's because she... Um, she has very difficult time um, with being wrong. Uh, I think I think that being a princess, being an ambassador, as well as being um, the alpha female, mm-hmm. uh, has a certain amount of of prestige to it that most people don't get or, or want. I mean, despite despite the fact that she is. Um, so so uh, heroic and and that Superman and Batman are, are likewise heroic. It's very easy to, to to single out the problems with Superman and and Batman. You know, Batman has this this whole psychosis thing with himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman has this this whole he's 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 so above it all that he can't possibly do everything right. And that's a problem. And I think that's what Greg kind of took Wonder Woman a little bit more uh, of that spin with Superman is that she is put in a situation where she can't possibly rewrite and sometimes the the conclusions or, or the the um the, uh, the 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 path that she takes to to rectify a situation goes right back to saying you know what a thing is what it is okay it's very very old testament black and white eye for an eye tooth for a tooth that's it yep. it's done you know yes and he really harped on that and it was it was really really refreshing in that character and, and now we have a character who is who is is, is is sometimes flawed by her own perception and has to learn to deal with that and um, whereas one time she kind of became came across as preachy um, you know here I come from utopia you people don't know what you're doing yes to um, you know realizing that you know what that there is no such thing as perfection in any realm and 
and the and and when the Amazon's attack and stuff like that, and um, you know all that stuff that's going on with it, he's he's really fleshing out uh, the problems, and you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, kind of a thing. Absolutely, the burden of responsibility. Exactly. And and, and, and yeah, and, I, and again, I, I would point to your your images as as because there there isn't a lot of text to, to carry that, and it really requires, because she can't say anything. People are, are yelling at her and accusing her for killing Max Lord, and she has to deal with the burden of that, and, and all she can do is stand there and, yep. and, and hold the responsibility, and a lot of that is conveyed in your art, and I think you achieved that very well. well I appreciate that. One of the nicest things that was said about me is that um, Greg has mentioned that I have this uncanny ability to go exactly out of the story what the writer intends out of the story. You bet. Um, whether it's there or not, I I understand the undercurrents of things. So um, yeah, I guess if I could say anything about myself, I could just pat myself on the back. <laughs> um, I guess that would be it. That uh, I guess maybe I do understand more about storytelling than I even I knew. Yeah, well, that's subtext, and subtext is really in the hands of the artist. I think it's great. And again, even before the killing of Max, when Wonder Woman was blind, I mean, uh, you guys really put her through some some really tough uh, rigors and stuff, and uh, it was it was really an interesting run. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, you know it, uh, a lot of my problem with that story, obviously, or, you know, because initially I wanted to do six issues and then move on to the next thing. Okay. Um, and they and they had put me in mostly just to handle the Omax stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I'm also coming out and say I went through a divorce at that time. I see. And um, my model for Wonder Woman was my wife. So yeah, so she, it was it was difficult uh, for me to go through the the, the uh, not just the emotional withdrawal. That's no excuse, but um, mostly just just the change of routine sure. in my household. So uh, I had a hard time uh, keeping up with things, and uh, primarily that is. The, uh, the, mo the the biggest reason for that book uh, looking the way it had. Um, I had expended a lot of my energy in the first three issues when it should have been in the last three issues. And unfortunately, toward the last three issues, um, and in fact, halfway through the second issue is when things were coming to a head with me. So um, it was uh, it was very uh, a, a difficult project. And, and um you know, given given all that that was going on and the way that things were happening for me professionally as well as my perception within the fan base, it was quite the relief to be able to come off that project. It was just a, it was something that needed to be done. I got you. Where are you right now on your JSA uh, work? Uh, right now, I have um, I'm just about wrapping up my third issue. And good thing to, good thing for all the fans. This is going to be very interesting. And I'm very proud to announce. Um, I did say it to a small group in New York, so I'm so, unfortunately you're not the first to know. Jerry Ordway will be finishing over me over the last two issues before I hit my run on the Wow, that's I'm really I'm very, cool. very proud of that. He came up to me in New York, and and, and he introduced himself. And um, <clears throat> I said I would have called him, but I had, like I said, I suffered laryngitis um, about a week ago, so I was never given the opportunity to give him a call. But a really nice guy. You know, very, uh, very, very humble character, and and I shook his hand and 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 I thanked him, thanked him from the from the bottom of my heart. His 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 being uh, available for us on this project, and I said to him, and then I yelled at him. <laughs> <laughs> Why? See, I, I can't do anything one way. I go one end, and then I have to hit the other. And I yelled <laughs> at him because I wanted to be the one to bring back Captain Marvel's tunic, <laughs> and he did it in the power of Shazam. I tell him it was a wonderful read, a fantastic-looking issue, and 
and I'm mad at him because every time I want to try to do something in this industry, somebody else does it first. <laughs> how how is your voice? Are you okay, man? Because like, I want to. Yeah, it's, it's 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 obviously sounds much better. Um, in New York, I, it, it was it was a week before New York when I caught it, um, and. Uh, it was you know, the entire week I spent you know, recovering, hoping it would get better for New York. By the time Friday rolled around, it sounds like it does now. So I figured, hey, I'm great. I'm in good shape. There you go. By the end of the weekend, it was back. Well, yeah, so, you're talking um, all weekend. Yeah. Are we okay right now in terms of our talk? Oh, yeah. yeah no, your your throat's fine. okay? Okay. I just wanted to make sure because I did want to hit uh, Detective before uh, before we wrap up. Uh, mm -hmm. I think everyone's excited about Paul Deatney writing and, and you doing the art. Yeah. I mean that's that's terrific. I, I I never believe in spoilers, so I won't ask you about that. But uh, what can you tell us about your collaboration with Paul? Uh, well, actually, it's 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 been a few and far between right now. Um, I've I've spoken with Paul through email, and uh, he's uh, he's he sent uh, me some some ideas of where his vision is going. And I tell you something, it's going to be oh that's okay. Hey. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> he bleeped himself. Yeah, you, you know, you know, she, she needs those burritos. But um, um, it was um, it was really cool to actually hear from him and from Peter Tomasi that the idea of what's happening with uh, with with Batman is that we're going back to grassroots. Um, we're going to bring back uh, Bruce Wayne. We're not going to be doing the spectacle. Everything's going to be basically one and done. Oh, uh, wow. Very, very few to be continued, um, and which is awesome because you know I grew up loving Batman's uh, the, the Mike Barr and Jim Aparo on Brave and the Bold, and uh, I had so much of those old issues. And, and for so many years, I wanted to be Jim Aparo, and I, and I drew like him <laughs> and I emulated him. Um, Wonderful artist. In fact, in fact, I, 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 I will put out a little snippet. There will be one scene somewhere along the line in the JLA. Uh, where Brad has actually asked me to come in and do a page emulating Jim Aparo. Oh, that's cool. So if you don't see me in it at all, but you read my name somewhere in there, I did my job right. That's and I'm great. very proud to be able to do that. I, Jim Aparo is, to me, is, 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 is as big as Neil Adams ever was to me, or, jo or John Buscema and, and, and Michael Golden. He was one of the few people who I tried to draw exactly like for a while. I was just over, I was just overwhelmed with his ability. Um, and, um, did you ever have a chance to meet him? Yes, I did. In fact, um, I went to Madison Square Garden a number of years ago, and um, yeah, he uh, he was there. And I was actually I decided to get up from my table and take a little walk, and I went down the uh, the next row of aisles, and there I saw uh, you know, Pablo Marcos, uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, yeah. um, Trevor Von Eden, Jim Aparo. Wow. It's a whole line of people. I said, oh, my God, it's my childhood right here. <laughs> you bet. I finally taking off my clothes and just rolling over the table, you know. <laughs> say, hi, guys, I finally made it, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was um, it was very cool. And, and of course, Jim, I just, I just had to, to talk to him. So I shook his hand. I, I, I gushed over him. And uh, he was nice enough to, to have me sit down next to him. We just, you know, you know a little, little light talk, a little banter going back and forth. And somebody came up to him with a with a sketchbook for him to autograph, and he's flipping through it. He flips through it and he sees a Hawkman. He goes, "Oh, that's a nice piece." And I was like, "I'm I, I was a puddle of goo." <laughs> yeah, sure. I didn't say anything. You know, I was I was being too cool for school. But the cat who had the the, uh, the sketchbook he points at me. He goes, "Yeah, it's, it's one of rags." And he looks at me. He goes, "That's nice." I'm wow. Like, oh, thanks. Thank 
thank you. <laughs> you I grew up and, and Captain Kangaroo tells me I'm cool. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> and in a way, it's it's like it's it's like you come to full circle when those things happen. You know, there there are a few moments um, in in this industry where you really feel like you got you get you get paid in gold. Um, one of them is when you get your, your peers to notice. Another one is when you start getting your your um, your influences to notice. And when when that happens, when you start seeing young people who who are, are big fans of yours, I had this one little girl named Rebecca who comes by almost every one of my East Coast shows. Every time I show up, and one with her father, and um, you know she's written me sto- uh, uh, letters. She's given me um, stuffed animals. She's She's um, she's she's uh, drawn me things, and, and all this wrapped up in an eight-year-old body. Well, you know, it's like half my career is right in everything she knows, and, yeah. and those kinds of things, those kind of moments, really do, you know, are priceless. Um, the day that I get to the point where a young artist who comes into the industry and he says, you know, you were one of my influences, is the day I'm just going to probably break down and just quit. <laughs> you know, um, and so it's 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 very cool. So that time, that day when when Jim Aparo gave me the thumbs up, that was that was very hip, and and uh, I'll never forget that ever. That's really neat. And I noticed on your blog that, am I correct? You're, you kind of give room for for fans to to submit art, and and, yeah. and I think that's great. I, I really think that you are giving back, and you are kind of influencing people and and kind of helping them out, in, in as they grow as artists. Oh, bull. <laughs> Why? Okay, I, don't, I can't. I can't follow up with a daily blog. I got pages to do. <laughs> well, I think it's you guys keep it alive. Right. You guys, you guys run the shop. I'm gonna, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm not giving back crap. <laughs> well, actually, you I, it, before, it, was, it was one. Of, it was actually uh, an idea for me that yeah, I thought it would be really neat because Ethan's blog. I mean, when we started this whole blog idea thing, I wrote him a, a little letter, and I was I was toying with him, and and and. Ethan has his wonderful lifestyle. He's got he's got a, a, a beautiful wife, Sharis, his, his son Hunter, and of course he has he has um, such a gregarious and, and, and unassuming personality yeah. that he can he can his his blog is, is fantastic. I love to read it. It's hilarious. <laughs> and um, my blog is is is, is blah. <laughs> you know, take the G off. That's my blah. <laughs> so um, I can't keep up with my blah, and 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 I, it's it's just the kind of thing. Every once in a while, I chime in when I think it's something re- relevant, something significant, and and um, and honestly, it's in you know I, I don't have you know the what 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 Ethan has in terms of just his ability to to communicate uh, uh, you know, the 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 idea of fun. Um, I suppose I didn't work at it hard enough. I'd I'd, I'd rather work on pages, Ethan. <laughs> How's that? Nice shot across the bow. I like that. There you go. There you go. Get get some comic block forum, uh, you know, aggravation on, uh, for all the creators and everything. Oh, That's I good. saw. I said we should paint numbers on our blogs and see which one wins the race. And he, he dusted me from this from the get go. I think he took it as a challenge. But um, that's a great uh, community you guys all have over at Comic Block. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's it's uh, we all like each other. You know, it's it's it. You know, I mean, and, and Greg's like kind of like the, the silent little papa of all this. You know. He's, <laughs> It's it's something we always sit back and you know Ethan calls me regularly Don Kramer calls me regularly great guy um, yeah yeah wonderful people and and uh, we're all we're all good friends um, and and you know it it starts off with this common hub of having worked with Jeff you know that's and cool. so it's 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 pretty neat it's pretty neat 
But uh, yeah, so anyway, getting back to Detective. Okay. Uh, one and done. Bruce Bruce Wayne coming back as a character. I believe we're going to bring back uh, Commissioner Gordon as a regular player. Wonderful to um, see him back. I saw that in the James Robinson story that just started this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, I think I'm going to I'm going to try to try a little David Mazzy Kelly with him in terms of of updating his look and get rid of that dippity do curl. <laughs> I want to give him. I think I want to give him kind of like a, one of those jarhead kind of things where where the balding is showing through. You know, kind of. Oh, a okay. Bit. Have they de-aged yeah. Gordon a little bit? Uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm right now. I'm just throwing about a, a bunch of ideas in my head. Okay. Um, I haven't really um, addressed any of it because I have yet to see a script. Uh, but as soon as I get over my JSA stuff, then I'll be I'll be uh, going uh, going into it two fisted. Um, the exactly the kind of book I need at this time, um, with respect to what was been going on with me personally. Sure. Um, you know, just just to be able to deal with a singular character. Um, it's going to be great, you know, to deal with one type personality. That's going to be really refreshing. It's going to be fun. And as you're exclusive to DC, are there any characters that you haven't hit yet in the DC universe that you uh, really want to crack at still? I would love to do Captain Marvel family. That's cool. You know, I, I really would. Uh, Ethan has his own little personal um, thing for Plastic Man. Yes, I know. We've discussed he, it absolutely. Yeah, he adores that character, and, and he, he has such a vision for it, you know, and I'm like, you know, go Ethan, go. You bet. You know? <laughs> no, I'd love to see that. Right, but I, I think, yeah, with uh, with all due respect, if anybody's ever handled the character, I believe I might be just the right type of artist for a Captain Marvel because I do have that, that kind of like hybrid um, style of, of, of somewhat realism with, with a touch of charm and... Um, I'd like to think that. Hopefully, you know, people agree with me. If you don't, you suck. But <laughs> I think, no, and I, I, think, I think you're right. Go ahead. I, I think that's the kind of thing that you're right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is a good interview. Thank you. No, and I, right. I, and I think you're right, too, that he is a tough character to crack because, on the one hand, you do want, you know, the modern and, and more realism in, in your heroes, but the, the charm of Captain Marvel really was that C.C. Beck, Otto Bender era of right. of the happy funny stories and they were wonderful and they and they hold up i mean really if people haven't read it that are listening to this go back and check out those stories and yeah they're silly little stories but they're they're very entertaining and talking tawny and all all the cast of characters there there really are a wonderful group of characters there and i want to do talking tawny i want to do you know the whole savannah family i want to be able to do everything that's been done um i don't know how far if i want to go back as far as like you know the hillbilly <laughs> sure, the, the Lieutenant Marvels, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if I want to go that far. You okay. know, well, would you but, say like uh, kind of Ordway esque, or, or even a little more, a little more towards the uh, Fawcett years? Uh, probably somewhere between the two. Okay. You know, uh, you know Ordway has, has is, is a wonderful grasp on on on, on a realistic uh, grounding for it. You know, as did Alan Weiss and 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 uh, and um, oh, geez. Um, Don Newton. I was going to say, yes, Don Newton, of course, in the you 70s. Know, um, you bet. You I was going to say Dan Norman, but he was a right fielder for the Mets. <laughs> um, but Don Newton, yeah, he, he certainly uh, another influence of, of mine, too. Um, That's cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he uh, certainly, you know, th those artists did a, a, a fine job of, of doing something for, for the character, um, basically shaping it irrevocably until Ordway did his little take on it. And of course, everything that Alex Ross does with it now is just like, oh my God! You know? Oh yeah, and it's great yeah. that he infuses that Fred McMurray look in uh, in Marvel too. 
Yeah, but that's just a, you know, you, you, you shouldn't go away from the original intent. You bet. Um, you, you, you can't get away from Buster Crab as Superman. You can't get away from Fred McMurray as Captain Marvel. You know, you really have to address um, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore when you're handling uh, Elongated Man in C.W. So. That's great. Um, wow, that's you, something unconscious that I never realized. That's fantastic. But and, and that's what it was. That's exactly what it was. It, it was modeled after the Dick Van Dyke show. Wow. So, um, have you so, talked to Infant? Did you talk to Infantino about Elongated Man before Identity Crisis? No, no, I had not. Um, uh, in fact, uh, you talk about Carmen Infantino, right? Yes, yes. I met him for the first time at the Mocha um, about a month ago. I was invited by Neil Adams to see Erwin Hastings. Um, at this um, gallery. That's great. And for the first time there, I met Carmine Infantino and I asked him about the lawsuit, and that was about it. Sure. <laughs> he was he going to tell me anything? But, um, yeah, no, we, we uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was, he was basically on the way out. We didn't have much time to, uh, to chat. I got you. Um, but, um, yeah, he, uh, that was the very first time I ever met Carmine. And um, it's, uh, we, you know, we did not discuss uh, Elongated Man, you know it. And, Come to think of it, we should have, shouldn't we? I was too busy trying to think about what's going on with Flash. <laughs> well, and Irwin, I saw at the uh, New York Con, too, and it was so wonderful meeting him. Oh, he's, he's, he's still got his little strut, too, doesn't he? You bet. You bet. And also, I mean, you know, I'm a Dondi fan. I mean, I, I grew up lo loving that strip when I was a little kid. I mean, that was that was just such a wonderful uh, comic strip, and I, that was the first thing I told him. I'm a big fan of the JSA and Wildcat stuff that he's done in the year, all these years. But yeah, uh, yeah like hey, yeah. Dondi, that was as a little kid. That, me and my sister, we loved that comic strip. Oh yeah, as my as my father did too. You know, I was telling <laughs> my dad, I said, yeah, you know, one of my teachers at the Cuba school. I went to the Joe Cuba school. That's cool. And um, I says, yeah, one of my teachers, the guy who did Dondi. He goes, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, and my father was also a Sergeant Rock fan. So when I went to Joe, to, to wow. George, to Joe, I said, you know, Joe, my dad, you know, uh, teenager, loved your uh, loved your Sergeant Rock stuff. And he's looking at me, <laughs> you know, all of 1920, talking about my father as a teenager, <laughs> enjoying his Sergeant Rock run. Um, he just shook his head and walked away. <laughs> you know, I, I think understand. he muttered Jesus Christ under his breath. So I'm not sure, you know, don't quote me on that, but <laughs> he just went, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And um, and that was, uh, that was, um, that was, uh, that, that was that thing. But, yeah. You know, and, and, and meeting up with Erwin again after all these years, he didn't remember me, obviously. It was, what, some 17 years after after he taught me. Sure. Not more than that. Jeez, it must have been 20 years. Wow. So uh, that's a lot to ask of someone that I remember someone, you know, that I only had for maybe a year as a teacher. But um, we, uh, we, 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 t we discussed things, and I told him that um, with any luck, and, of course, this is nothing that is, Eminent, so uh, I really am speaking out of turn here, but uh, I, I do have an I do have a, uh, an interest in Wildcat as a character, and I do have a friend of mine and, and I who are you know throwing around some ideas. We don't know if it's going to be sold or not. These people like it, but uh, you know, who knows? Maybe somewhere along the line, we're going to give a, a Wildcat a treatment. Well, that's great because I'm a I'm a huge Wildcat fan. I'm a big boxing fan, uh -huh. and and I feel that uh, Bo Smith and Chuck Dixon were the last guys to really you know give Wildcat the form that he deserved. Uh, and actually, I, I think Brubaker, I think in uh, in Catwoman and, and the Catwoman writers in general, kind of, you know, gave him his turns in that. But uh, no, I'm a big Ted Grant fan, so yeah. I understand that it's preliminary. I hope it happens. Oh, I do too. I do too. <laughs> and uh, if it if it does, you hear you heard it here first. Very cool. 
Well, listen, Rex, you've been very generous with your time, and I, I really appreciate it. Um, sure. You know, continued success, and uh, looking forward to the rest of JSA, and of course, uh, the detective run with Paul Dini. Me too. So, uh, thanks a lot for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's artist Rags Morales. Make sure you check out Rags online at www.comicblockbloc.com slash forums and his blog, rags.comicblock.com. And that'll do it for this edition of wordballoon.com. Thanks a lot for listening. This is John Suntras. Keep checking wordballoon.com for updates on upcoming episodes. Word Balloon is a copywritten feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2006.